All right, let, let me ask you a couple questions, and you don't have to raise your hand, and please don't poke your neighbor beside them or elbow them, but are, are you a good listener? I wouldn't talk out loud. I, <laughs> you're mumbling, I know. Um, uh, how, how, many, how many of us are interrupters? When somebody else speaks, how many of us, I think one wife just held up her husband's hand. I... I Where's Carol Bermude? We may need some marriage counseling before this, this day is over. How many of you kind of wait for that person to take a breath and then you, you jump in because you, you have something that you want to say? All right, here's the real test. Um, somebody just tells you their name and they walk away. You don't have a clue what they just said, right? How, how many of us struggle with that, okay? Well, the ear is absolutely amazing. Look, look at the picture of the ear. The brain is, is off the chart, but, but the ear is pretty cool. How the human ear works and how it takes these vibrations and how the brain turns these into sounds is just, just phenomenal how, how this works. Now, we all know that there are problems, though. We all know we can't hear everything well, and there's leading causes of hearing loss for children. You know about that. I mean, children have some hearing issues. There's some leading causes of cause of hearing for adults. I mean, adults as well have some hearing issues. So, you know, in, in, in our world, in church world, it's not just physical hearing, but, but there's emotional hearing and there's, there's spiritual hearing. And so we're in a series called Think Clearly. And, and what is, has, has our hearing got to do with our spiritual relationship? Well, let me ask you two more little questions. And I'll put, put this first one on the screen about listening. Do, do you agree with this? How many of you agree with this? That listening usually leads to better decisions. How, how many of you would agree with that? Anybody in the room think, if I listen poorly, I'll make better decisions? Probably none of us in the room would would agree with that, right? All right, look look at the next statement. Here's the next statement. Good listeners become better thinkers. How many of us kind of agree with that? I mean, pretty much. I mean, if you're a good listener, you probably can think a, a little bit better, can't you? Well, the Bible connects faith with listening. The Bible connects faith with hearing. And this connection between faith and hearing then translates into better living. And so our goal for you is to be able to think clearly so you can live better for our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going I'm to start with kind of a general verse of Scripture right now. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and we're going to come back to it. In fact, we're going to come back to several of these verses today. So I'm going to just introduce this. But Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Consequently... Here's our connection. Faith comes from hearing. Well, hearing what? Well, hearing the message. Well, what message? It's not just a message. It's, it's the message. And the message is heard about the word of Christ. And so here's a connection. There's a connection between your faith and your ability to listen. And what do you listen to? Well, Paul says that you'll have greater faith by listening to the message about Jesus Christ. Here's Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Verse 9, if you grew up in like a Southern Baptist church or a very conservative evangelical church, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 were verses that you used. They were just classic 
passage of scripture that you used about salvation all the time. So here's the first part of that. If you declare with your mouth, let's, let's say this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you grew up in a church where that was kind of a theme verse? And Yeah, yeah. It's a classic verse in a lot of different evangelical churches. Look at verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith, and it's with your mouth that you are saved. And so he says faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the message about Christ. But what if you're not hearing the right message? What if the right recordings are not going off into your brain? What if you're not receiving the right message? How do you know that you're getting the right message and your faith won't increase if you're not playing the right recordings in, in your brain? So I want to introduce to you a, a great passage of Scripture that helps us with our identity and our destiny. And everybody in the room has both. Everybody in the room has an identity and has a destiny. And they're two different things. And we get these both confused all the time. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 talks about both of these. And I'm going to camp out on identity first. So 1 Peter 2, 9 says, and here's your identity. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Now, here's Peter as an old man. He's an older man, very wise, sending this letter out to lots of different Christians, lots of different churches. This is not Peter when he's denying Christ as a younger man. This is not Peter when he's clumsy. This is Peter as he's got his act together. And he wants everybody to grasp their identity. You see, if your identity is anything other than Jesus Christ, your faith won't grow. And so he wants to make sure that you understand you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Now, the last part of this is the destiny. We'll get to that in just a minute. But you know why? I I don't think very many of us wake up every morning saying to ourselves, man, I'm chosen. Look at me. Baby, look how good I am. I'm royal. I am hot. I am good. I'm I'm going someplace today. I'm chosen. I'm royal. Baby, I am holy. I can just see me trying to pull that over on Danita. I am holy. She said, yeah, you're full of something, all right, but it may not be the Holy Ghost. Um, We're God's special possession? I I mean, honestly, how many of us wake up every morning just... Man, I'm just a great woman of God. I'm a great man of God. And, and, and I, I, I know why that is. You see, we all have something in common in this room, whether we're Christians or we're not Christians. Whether you believe in the Scriptures or you don't believe. We all have something in common. We all have had people of weight in our life, significant people in our life, who've made comments to us and about us that have deeply wounded us. And we play those recordings every single day. We play them over and over and over again. And somebody significant in your life, a coach, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, a first grade teacher, a kindergarten teacher, someone significant in your life told you something about you physically, said something about you emotionally, said something about you 
intellectually. And those recordings play over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, right now, every one of us in this room are identifying some of those recordings. Somebody said something about your feet or your hair or your nose or your skin or the color of your skin. Somebody said you were too tall or you were too short or you were too fat or too thin. or Somebody said something about you and that's stuck and that plays over and over and over again. Somebody said something to you even like, like emotionally. I don't know that you can cut it. I don't know that you got what it takes. I don't know that you got the it factor. I don't know that you can do this. And somebody planted those seeds of doubt inside of your mind. And those seeds germinated. And it doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're 25 or you're 105. You still play those tapes over and over again in your mind. Somebody said to you, you know, you, you may not be very smart. And you actually believed them. Or maybe it was a brother or a sister just, just riding you and driving you and saying some things that, that shouldn't have been said in the family. Or maybe it was a father who snapped and a father said something. You know, he wished he could reel it back in, but you can't. Once that goes out there, it, it, it's there. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. I'd much rather have a broken arm than those, those tapes that keep playing in my mind when I was in the kindergarten or when I was in first grade or when I had a coach or when I had a teacher or when I had an uncle. I got those things in my mind that keep on playing, keep on playing, keep on playing. But you see, but here's what he says. Here's what he says. You see, that's not who I am and that's not who you are. You and I are chosen. God chose you. This is why I get really encouraged with those of you that are adopted. I mean, when you think about this, those of you that are adopted, you should like be falling at your parents' feet and head over heels in love with them because they chose you. They wanted you. I mean, the rest of us got potluck and we did pretty good, but the rest of us, you know, it's, you know two of them are in the room at the moment, so I've got to be careful what I say. But we all, it, 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 we didn't choose them. We're, we're grateful. We're, we love them. But those of you that are adopted, are you kidding? He chose, they chose you. And this is what the scriptures are saying. Peter is this older man is now saying, can you wake up every morning? Can, can, can you live now with these new set of, of, of recordings in your brain? Can you understand that you are chosen? You are royal. You are holy. You are God's special possession. It's an amazing verse of scripture. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says something kind of like this. Who's known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we, we have the mind of Christ. We, we, we don't have that old recording. We don't have that old saying. We don't have that old coach. We don't have that, that grandparents' inappropriate statements in our brain. We now have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ changes us and transforms us forever. And this is why he's so stoked about this. So again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, I want you to know your identity. And the reason I want you to know the top part of this, he's saying, is so you can do the bottom part. Because the bottom part there is, is that if you understand all this, then you can declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But if you don't understand your identity, 
You'll never be able to fulfill your destiny. Here's what Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 say about this is why this is important. This is why we're doing 30 minutes on this. Because you see, all of us in the room who live according to the flesh have minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so why is this a big deal? Because he offers us life and he offers us peace. And when those old recordings keep on playing, it doesn't bring us to life and it doesn't bring us to peace. And so where do we start? Well, we first have to kind of start with God. And do we really think that God has our best interests in mind? Because if we don't think that God is for us, and we kind of think that God's kind of like that uncle who was against us, then we'll never design and develop the mind of Christ in our lives. And so we start with renouncing some lies about God. See, we renounce some lies, and we accept some truth. There's truth. But which of the two recordings are you going to play? Are you going to play the one that's a lie, or will you play the one that's the truth? That's your choice. That's your crossroad. Every man, every woman in this room has to make up up their minds. Which of the two recordings are you going to play? So we got to renounce the lie that God is distant. You know, there were people in your life that were distant. There were people in your life that were disinterested. But that's not what God says. God is intimate. God wants to be involved in your life. God wants to be closer to you than your own breath. i got to renounce the lie that God is insensitive. See, you had insensitive and uncaring people in your life. And so all automatically you think, well, God must be exactly the way, you know, my aunt, you know, whoever was. Well, God's not like aunt whoever. God is what? He's kind. He's compassionate. So I renounced that, that recording that, you know, there were, there were those stern and those demanding people in my life. Oh, my gosh, was she stern. Man, he was demanding. But God is what? God accepts me. Now, now make no illusions about this, friends. You and I are like the toddler. We're like the toddler that we've all watched start to walk. And every time that toddler, you know, kind of pulls up and gets up on the coffee table, that toddler begins to take that first step or two, you and I are going, okay, you can do it. Come on, come on, come, come, come to Papa, come to Mama, come to Grandpa, come to Uncle Kurt or whoever. And, and, and then they fall down and crash, you know, and we're like, oh, okay, well, you can do it. You can do it. We fall down and crash all the time. We're crashers. We crash all the time. God knows that. If you had to be perfect, you had to keep the law, and that didn't work, and he knew that wouldn't work. But God is so accepting of you. He just woos you to himself. He loves you. He is crazy about you. There's a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that says that God sings over you every day. I've heard my wife do this. She just goes in the kids' bedroom. They were smaller and toddlers and preschoolers, and would just sing over them. God is what? He's not passive and cold. Who is God? You've had passive and cold people in your life, and therefore you thought that you weren't worth something. God says, man, I'm warm. I'm I'm affectionate. Maybe God's too busy for me because you've had people that were too busy for you. You had people that blew you off. But God is eager to be with me. 
I renounce the lie that God is never satisfied. You've had people that are never satisfied. You can't do enough. You can't earn enough. You can't make enough good grades. You can't clean your room enough. Never, ever, 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 ever satisfied. God is patient with you. You're that little toddler. He's saying, okay, let's do it again. Come on, come on, come on, Jimmy. Come on, come on, Alice. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. God's just pulling you and I along. Pulling us along. Why? Because we're chosen. Because we're royal. My goodness. We are God's special possession. We renounce the lie that God's cruel and abusive. You've had cruel and abusive people in your life. They said some things they shouldn't have said. They did some things they shouldn't have done. And some of them did it willingly. Some of them were just, some are just cruel. There's only three kinds of people, wise, foolish, and evil. There's only three kinds of people in your life. Only three. You've had some very cruel and unkind people. I renounce the lie that God is what? Controlling. No, God gives you freedom. One of my prayer partners, he's in the room right now. We've talked about this. We both think God gives us way too much freedom. You just think about how much freedom you have. You have enormous freedom in your relationship to make good decisions or bad decisions. You talk about free will, God gives you a lot of rope, a lot of rope. So I got to get my, my mind right with who God is. I got, I, got to, I got to be able to think clearly about who God is. Well, what about me then? If that's who God is, what about me? Look in your bulletin. I got some fill in the blanks for you if you'd like to fill in some blanks. If not, just kind of watch this on the screen. But here's the first one. Number one, I am now, because of all the things that Christ has done, I am now acceptable to God. And some of you still feel unacceptable to God. Because, again, you're playing the wrong recording in your brain. But our Heavenly Father is so in love with you, He accepts you and receives you. I am now acceptable to God, and I'm forgiven. Look at the next one. I am free. I am free from the punishment that my sins deserve. Dave, even in communion this morning, Dave Nyland talked about mercy and about grace. And sometimes we think those two terms mean the same thing, and they're just polar opposites. Mercy is God withheld what we do deserve. God withheld judgment. Mercy, if you have mercy on somebody, you don't give them what they deserve. You hold it back. That's God's mercy. You deserve punishment. You deserve, you know, whatever. But God, God held it back. But grace is God gives you what you didn't deserve. Grace is God giving you a gift that you haven't earned. So God is rich in mercy. He holds back, but he's incredible, abundant in grace. He abundantly gives you what you haven't earned because of why? Because he loves you, because you're acceptable to him. I've been given the mind of Christ. Now, this is your choice. Every day, you can walk with Jesus, and you can think like Jesus. And you, This is why we're asking you to spend 15 minutes every day with God. So when you spend 15 minutes every day with God, you get God's word inside of you. It becomes the DNA of who you are, and you begin then to act and react like like Jesus would. And so he promises that every one of us can have the mind of Christ, which sets us free. Look at the next one. I've been bought with a price. Uh, It just, just floors me that God gave his only begotten son 
that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus left heaven, came here, went to a cruel Roman cross, shed his blood so that he could redeem you. That means bought back. He's in the buying back business. He wants to redeem you back from Satan, back to God. You've been redeemed. Look at the next one. I am God's uh, possession. I am chosen and I am secure in him. That's right. Once you're in, you're in. You're in. Look at the next one. I've been given the Holy Spirit. What a perk. I love that verse. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've been given his spirit. Look at the next one. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and with confidence. It's incredible. I get to approach God. God, I need you. God, I need some help. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm struggling physically. God, I'm struggling emotionally. God, I'm just, I'm just struggling. I, 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 I can approach God with incredible boldness. And so 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, has your identity. Who are you? I'm chosen. I'm royal. I'm holy. I'm special. And then this last part. You see, that's why you're special. It's what he did. And so you then can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, you got to get this part of it because this is two halves of the bridge, two sides of the coin. You need both sides. You can't just have the first half of the bridge. You are all of this, but you are this so that you can declare his praises because he's called you out of darkness. You were in darkness. That's not the problem. The problem is is that we recognize that we were in darkness, and we recognize that he gave us freedom. Let let, let me me, me illustrate it this way. See, here's the pushback. The pushback in the room is, okay, I'm special. Okay, I'm holy. Okay, I'm God's, you know, special, cool, chosen dude. Okay, I, I get that. But how could I, how could I ever go around declaring his praises? How, how could I go out and tell other people? I mean, do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? Do, do you know what my life is really like? Well, probably as a pastor, I do. I've had a front row seat to this for 33 years. I probably do. And the pushback is, you know, I had an abortion. I, I had committed adultery. I, I betrayed. I lied. I stole. I, you know, I, I should have done all this, but I didn't. I, I didn't do this, and I should have. All that. And so all that then mirrors, just bogs you down. And you think, you know what? I can't declare the praises. I mean, all my friends know what I did. My family knows how I used to be. I mean, my work people know, you know, from years ago what my attitude was like. How can I be a declarer of the praises of God? So let me, let me illustrate this. When, in this one guy's life, did he have leverage for the kingdom? When he was Saul... Great Pharisee, making lots of money, have lots of power, killing Christians. Did he have leverage there, or did he have leverage as the Apostle Paul? There but the grace of God go I. When did she have leverage for the kingdom of God? She came to the well. She had five husbands. She was currently living with somebody. And she asked Jesus, you know, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew who, who I am and who, who I have the ability to give you living water, you would have asked me, and I'd give you living water. And she, she leaves her water bucket, and she runs into town. And she says, oh, my goodness, 
I've just met the Messiah. I just met the Son of God. When did she have leverage for the kingdom? When she was on her way to the well or when she was into town declaring the praises of the one who'd called her out of darkness? When did Nicodemus have leverage? He comes to Jesus at night and he begins to ask Jesus all these philosophical and theological questions. And he's asking Jesus, you know, we know you're a great guy because nobody could do these things if he were not from God. And Jesus just cut him off the knees. And Jesus said, look, you got to be born again. And he's like, well, how can you be born again when you're like 6'2 and 190 pounds? And, and, and so he leaves. When did he have leverage? Then or later on when he and Joseph of Arimathea came and took the body of Jesus off the cross and put him in a tomb. When did Zacchaeus have leverage? When he was this incredibly gifted, you know, tax collector, making money, hand over fist, stealing, cheating from everybody, or when he's going around saying, I stole a hundred bucks from you, here's four hundred, okay, knock on the next door, I stole a thousand from you, here's four thousand dollars. I'm telling you, all these people are just like you. Your leverage the kingdom of God. Your platform is I once was, but I want to tell you what he's done for me. Man, I struggled over here, but look at who I am now. Yeah, you're right. I did that, and I did that, and I did a whole lot more things you don't even know about, but this is who I am today. You see, I'm chosen. I'm royal. I'm holy. I'm special, but the whole reason is I then take that. That's my identity, and I take it as my destiny. And I begin to tell other people how good and how great God is. And this is what he's done in my life. This is how he's changed me. This is who I am today because of him. That catches the world's attention. So don't let your pride, don't let your embarrassment of the past rob the king of the opportunity to leverage your story. You got a story. You have an amazing story of how he's called you out of darkness. And he's called you into his wonderful light. So we declare those praises. We declare those. Man, God's good. Man, you should see what he's done in my life. You won't believe how he's transformed me. And then he gets the glory. He gets the credit. And he gets the honor. So you got to choose which message you're going to be playing in your brain. That's your choice. I can't help you with that. You've got to decide, am I going to have the mind of Christ Am I going to realize that I'm special, I'm chosen, I'm a special possession, I'm a holy people, or am I going to play all these tapes that Grandpa said and Aunt Jean said and Uncle Ethel, you know, who all these people are, am I going to play those tapes? Or, or, or am I going to accept who I am in Jesus Christ? And that's the challenge. You see, I think it's easy becoming a Christian. I think it's a no-brainer. Heaven, hell. That's a no-brainer to me. That's not a real hard decision. I'll tell you the hard decision. The hard decision is, 
This is who I am. And this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm destined to be for the rest of my life. That's hard. Declaring his praises, honoring him, giving him glory every single day. So the place to start, always the place to start is with Christ. It's always the place to begin is with Jesus. And so that's why we always kind of start with this Romans verse, Romans chapter 10. That's why we try to encourage you to become a Christian by declaring with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and, and you will be saved. And so we, we have here on a regular basis what we call kind of our salvation prayer. It's just the first step. It's, it's, not, it's not the whole game. It's the pregame warm-up. But it's to get you in the game where you've decided to live for Jesus. And, and when that kind of is the first step. And then we go out to Honeymoon Island and we baptize a whole bunch of people. And we've got some baptism dates coming up. And you, you need to be baptized into Christ. But if you've never taken this first step, this is the step that we're all going to take with you today. We're going to say this salvation prayer out. I'll go ahead and put it on the screen. We're going to say this with you. And this is you giving your life to Christ. It's just the first step. It's just the very first step. So I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And, and for today, if, if, if you do this for the very first time in your life, if you give your life to Christ today for the very first time, come down front and tell somebody. Come down front and let somebody know that you've given your life to Christ. But maybe today your prayer need is not this. Maybe your prayer need today is, I got this stinking thinking going on in my brain all the time. And I need to get rid of the stinking thinking. I need help. I need the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to, get, to, to push delete, to, to get rid of that, rip out that, and replace it. Replace with the mind of Christ. So maybe today there's a greater need for you to have that mind of Christ flowing through you every single second. And it will flat change your life. So let's all say this out loud together. Maybe it's your first time. Here we go. Ready? Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I am so grateful that you are able and willing to forgive me of all my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God, and at this moment, I give my whole life to you. Thank you for allowing me to become a Christian and to live with you forever. Amen. If you've done that, tell somebody. Tell somebody. If you need special prayer today, don't leave this room without having been prayed for or prayed over if you need it today. And I know this. We all share that in common today. All right. See you at the picnic. God bless you.